crush your menopause sugar cravings in time for warm weather fun with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. Delicious, keto, and intermittent fasting-friendly. These bars help women manage weight and energy during all stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code KD10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Midlife is funny, right? Like haha funny and funny strange. On the one hand, we have brain fog bloopers and cartoonish hot flashes. You have to laugh. But on the other hand, a buffet of WTF menopause symptoms and a tick-tock clock that says you are running out of time to figure your life out. The good news, we are confident and more comfortable in our skin. The bad news, we're shocked and upset it's starting to sag. My guest today knows midlife is funny, but she also sees it as an opportunity. She's all about what she calls a midlife remix. Sarah Milken is the creator of the mega popular podcast, The Flexible Neurotic. She describes herself as half Birkenstock, half Manolo Blahnik. I describe her as one of the funniest PhDs to cross my radar and a voice that consistently offers ideas and inspiration for a kick in the pants midlife reboot because the midlife you want takes work. Ready to put the work in? Stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. This is like midlife remix on crack with the two of us together. I know. I know. I've been following you and your podcast and your Instagram for ages. We've connected uh, over Zoom. We've had a chance to catch up. I am. I, I probably most of my already, audience already knows you, but for those who don't, I'm super excited to put you on the radar. We're talking all things midlife, reinvention, uh, making midlife sexy versus lumpy and frumpy. But before we dive in, I want to ask the question I know every listener is thinking, what's a flexible neurotic? (laughs) A flexible neurotic is someone who has gone to 40 million years of schooling, gotten all A's, (laughs) hit every single benchmark, created anxiety, like off the charts. So that's kind of like the neurotic part, like go to school, hit the benchmarks, get the PhD, all of those things. And the flexible part is that you've researched the fuck out of every possible thing to the point where it can't be researched anymore. So you have the information, then you just have to go with it. That's the flexible part. Yes, you got it. You got to ban because otherwise you get like research paralysis and you kind of find yourself stuck when you've got too many options. And this is like a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about, because sometimes in midlife, you know, we feel stuck. I hear this from women who come on my show at different points in my own you know, journey, I feel stuck. Um, there are days when I feel, you know, stuck, even though I'm in action. I know you talk about this a lot. You talk about getting unstuck. You talk about the midlife itchies, how to scratch them. Um, how do we scratch those midlife itchies? I think for most women generally in this midlife hot zone of starting to feel slightly irrelevant. If you have kids, they're probably on the older side or already out of the nest. So you're like, oh my God, what the fuck am I going to do now? And it seems really daunting and overwhelming because sometimes you look around and you're like, 
well, that woman, you know, is a professional pickleball player and this woman plays mahjong <laughs> and this woman has a store, you know, a local boutique. And you're like, but wait, what do I have? I've spent so much time focusing on my family and serving everyone in my family that it's like me time now. And I don't even remember what I fucking like anymore. Like, I don't even remember what my passions are and I don't have any hobbies. Unfortunately, I'm working on that. Um, but in terms of getting the on to the unstuck part, the things, the ideas that I constantly circle back to are starting small and being scared and doing it anyway. And starting small can literally mean like I went to my friend's 50th birthday party that was a pickleball party. And for me, <laughs> wait, is this a true story, Sarah? Did yes, you really do this? My friend Allison had her 50th birthday. I opened the paperless post and I'm like, uh-oh. Shut the fuck up. You're like, I need a new wardrobe instantly. I have to I have to do I a mean, sport. <laughs> it was like I started going through my daughter's tennis clothes. I don't even play tennis. I've never played tennis in my whole life. And I'm like, but I can't be that friend who doesn't show up because because she couldn't do something. You First know of I mean? all, Especially pickleball with this is podcast. so fun. It's so did you did you have fun or were you like, no, not for me? Oh my God. It was so fun, other than the fact it was four thousand degrees in LA in the middle of the summer. But, um, you know, when you do something once, you, you, you like you have so much adrenaline pumping because you're like, can I do this? Am I making the biggest fool out of myself? I mean, some of these women play like three times a week. Oh, yes. Pros. Yes. I know those women. I want to be one of them, honestly. Like, I'm, a t- I'm a total pickleball nerd now. I love it. Oh, my God. Well, I've found a few other women who have never played tennis or pickleball before. So I feel like if we're all in like sort of the same starting ground, it'll feel okay. So I feel like the starting small thing is like, yeah, I'll go to the birthday party, the pickleball birthday party, rather than being like, because I could have thought of 40,000 excuses to not go. Yeah, there's always and, there's always 40,000. Yeah. 40,000 reasons like, to not try something new. And I love that you totally. that you did it and that you that, you know, you started small and um, and being scared and doing anyway is another great piece of advice. Yeah, it sounds very vague. And I really try not to be vague in my platform and my messaging. But I, I can't be any more specific than that. It's like, you're not going to build the confidence muscle without the action step. And yep. as you know, starting a podcast or starting any business, you really have no idea most of the time what you're doing. Yep. And it's like sending that first email, what is a podcast? Like, can you edit my podcast? Can you, you know, and once you start sending those emails and getting a little bit of momentum, that's when the confidence muscle starts building. And you're like, yeah, I'm getting some responses. I can do this. But if you're just sitting in that analysis by paralysis, if that's, is that the term or is it the other way around? I think I think you I think you hit it. I think it's good. Okay. So, but I'm saying if you're sitting in that kind of quicksand feeling all the time, there, there's no way out. And no one's coming to save you. And I think that that is has also become a really big theme of my midlife itchy platform is many of us get the midlife itchies. It's this need to want to rebrand ourselves and maybe not be the carpool mom anymore. Or maybe it's a rebrand of a new haircut or dyeing our hair blonde or whatever. Or maybe it's finding a new passion. Maybe it's pickleball. Maybe it's any of those things. 
Um, but no one can do the work for us. We have to do it. And there were so many times in my life I was like, oh my God, my husband is so successful. Like, can he just like think of an idea for me? And I never asked him, obviously. Um, but I think I secretly hoped that he was going to come home one day and be like, oh my God, Sarah, I have the best idea for you. But it never happened. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I could buy, you know, a self-reinvented identity on Amazon. Maybe I can <laughs> scroll Instagram and find my fucking answer. But it never happened. Nothing Sarah, I have scrolled Instagram endlessly. There is, you know, I have purchased many things on Instagram, but I agree with you that no one is offering us a new identity on it. Although I love that you went looking for it because who who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, you know how you think you're just going to find it and it's going to be like, I saw that post. And now I'm going to do this. And the reality is, is most of the time it doesn't turn out that way. If it does, you're lucky. But it's trying a bunch of new different things. And a lot of my guests over the past two years, like another big theme that's come up is say yes to awkward shit, like the pickleball party. You know, a lot of times we're like, oh my God, no, or that's going to be so uncomfortable. I'm not going to know anyone. But a lot of times those awkward new times or moments or events are the times where you put yourself in an awkward position and you force yourself out of the comfort zone and you meet someone who leads to the next thing. Yeah, or absolutely. Like, absolutely. What can we do next? What's happening? And that's what I love about this whole process is while there's a lot of like shitty, sweaty quicksand. There's also a lot of synchronous synchronicity and optimism and energy. It's like the ebb and flow of midlife. And I think that that's sort of what keeps me going is I know that when I have shitty days, they're not going to be forever. Yeah, because, you, you know, because we we've been around the block, honestly, too. Like one of the good things about putting some you know miles on the on the car is that we know we've been through hard things. We vent through difficult things, and that you know they pass, and that they we move through them. And um, I, my question that, that that kind of popped into my mind: Do you think this is something that affects like stay-at-home moms more? Are you seeing this? Because I've been both. I've been somebody. My oldest is twenty-two. My youngest is fifteen. Um, in the twenty-two years that I've been a mom, I have uh, left the paid workforce twice. You know, I've been home for periods of you know several years at a time, and then re-entered. And I know that's hard to do. Um, do you feel like the midlife itchies is something that all women go through? Is it, um, can it be harder if you've, you know, really spent a lot of time at home? What's your take on that? Honestly, that's a great question. And it's something that I think about a lot because I, in my DMs, I get so many messages from both groups of people, from stay-at-home moms who are like, it's fucking Groundhog Day. I can't do this for one more minute. I'm going to lose my mind. And then I, I got a message from this woman this morning who's like, I've been part of this career for you know 20 years and I just left last week. And what am I going to do now? I don't know. I just know that I couldn't be there anymore. So I really think it's an interesting combination of a lot of different types of women and energies. And it's really nuanced because like the stay at home moms, we've been telling ourselves in our heads for so long, I'm just a mom. I'm just a mom. And someone asked, what do you do? And you say, I'm just a mom. And it's trying to get that 
box and that stereotype of ourselves and that branding of ourselves out of our heads, because in reality, we're never really just a mom. But that phrase, it's so deeply annoying to me on so many levels. Do, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I've had... Um... You know, I uh, am a New Yorker. I have lived in New York. And when I would go to events with my husbands at different points, when I was, you know, at home with my kids caregiving for, you know, three small children, which is, you know, a job on steroids, and people would look at me and I knew what would happen around this, you know, little gathering at the the cocktail hour that somebody would eventually look at me and say, what do you do? Because that's all people want to know in New York. Like, what do you do? And I would dread the question because I felt um, invisible the moment I shared my answer because people would like literally almost like turn around mid-sentence and like look, look to the next person because they didn't they weren't interested in talking to you. Um, I know. I- it's, it's like the worst question in the world. And you know what's really interesting is I never really articulated that to my husband. And I noticed, I mean, I've noticed. You're much nicer than I am, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, believe me, I I have complained about this in the past. (laughs) No, not from him specifically. I'm saying like talked about it in general about other people because he doesn't even have to hear me. He can just see my face. Exactly. Because my face is so expressive. He's probably like, holy fuck, we got to get out of here. Someone just pissed her off. (laughs) I need need to protect this person who's just asked that that, terrible question. I'm going to like grab her by the elbow and squirt. Um, I will say that it's interesting because when we go to a dinner party or we're out, he never asks the other person what they do, even it's the man. Good. And I said to him, I'm like, it's so interesting that like we could leave a dinner and you might not know exactly what that person's job is. And he, you know, his answer is everyone has a different life to live and everyone's at different times in their lives. And I feel like it's judgmental to ask that. Yeah, I love that. That's a great... And I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) He's a very evolved husband. We are going to be heading... (laughs) We're going to be heading into a quick commercial break. But when we come (laughs) back, I do want to talk husbands. I want to talk evolution. I want to talk evolution of marriages in midlife. We'll be right back after this break. Have you ever successfully set someone up on a date? In my 53 years, I've only ever made one successful match for a friend, which is why I'm so eager to introduce you to the nonprofit Let's Talk Menopause, because I know this is a relationship that's going to work. Let's Talk Menopause is changing the conversation around menopause so women get the information they need and the healthcare they deserve. Understanding menopause is a lot like solving a tough jigsaw puzzle, as there are so many pieces. Menopause can have over 34 symptoms, insomnia, joint pain, low libido, difficulty sleeping, irritability, mood swings, fatigue, brain fog, painful sex, urinary leaks. It is a long list. Visit their website, letstalkmenopause.org, to find all the tools you need the 101s to understanding the physical and mental menopausal changes, information about their public ad campaigns and advocacy work, a downloadable symptoms checklist to share with your doctor, and so much more. Visit letstalkmenopause.org. Together, we can change the change. 
Sarah, we're back from the break. We headed into it talking about how uh, evolved your husband is, how he, he's, he's got a good dinner party uh, patter, and he doesn't ask obnoxious questions. Uh, I know you talk a lot on your podcast and your Instagram about you know midlife marriages, making midlife sexy again. Your husband is a terrific and good sport. I love what you share on the show. Um, how have you seen your marriage evolve throughout your podcast? How has midlife impacted it? And what do you hear from your listeners? Wow, that's a lot of really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my husband's listening to this I hope with, so his too. Weighted, with his weighted <laughs> vest on his walk where he's completely like, I totally throw him under the bus. No, you've made him a little bit of a like a, a star. I feel like I, I feel like I know him because you, you share totally. a lot about him and he's such a good sport. And he, he reminds me a little bit of my husband, somebody who's been so supportive of what, I, what I'm doing, so supportive of the podcast. But, you know, midlife marriage is like any kind of marriage take work. And I'm just, you know, I'm curious uh, as to how, how he feels about being uh, your Instagram husband and, and, and how you're, um, you know, making a midlife marriage work. Look, I mean, I don't know how much you know about my, my marriage or my history, but my husband and I met when we were 13 and when we were in ninth grade. So we have a lot of history together. That's a lot of body shapes. That's a lot of hairstyles, hair colors, the whole thing. He's seen all your uh, eyebrows, right? I always, oh, jo- I always joke that my best that. friends like remember every set of my eyebrows. So, oh my god! <laughs> and even my kids are like, "What was that hair color? Is it like eggplant?" I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> all right." Um, but I think for him, the quick and dirty of it is that you know he has known my parents since I was 13. And my mom is a major career woman, the opposite of stay-at-home mom. And I think that that's just like what he assumed I would be. It was, you know, we went to college together and all of those things. So he saw, you know, this is a girl, a woman who is on a path and she has a mission. Um, But I think at the same time, he, when I decided after I got my PhD and I was teaching in the Graduate School of Education at USC and I was pregnant with my son, after I had my son, I thought, oh my God, I, I, I really don't want to leave. And that was not my intention, obviously, after 40 years of school uh, or what seemed like 40 years of school, but he was really supportive of it. He was like, I'm going to be happy if you're going to be happy. <laughs> That's basically um how it went and so i was a stay at home mom you know up until 2 years ago i'm still a stay at home mom with a podcast however you know someone wants to define it and i think that um you know he always knew that i would that i wanted to do something um along the way it was just i i couldn't figure out what i felt stuck i felt like i was in between seasons of my life of am i can I go between being a mom and doing something on the side? And I think when I turned 45, I was like, okay, midlife itchy's on. I'm in full fucking wealth. <laughs> like, I need out. I'm going to lose my shit. And then, of course, COVID came a month later right. after I had this whole like epiphany. And then we're all locked in our houses for two years. The universe has um, a great sense of humor, right? Totally. They're like, you're but, going nowhere, Sarah. You are going nowhere. Yes. You can sit in your house and be monitored by your teenagers. How fantastic. Um, And you can try to record a podcast with, you know, everyone yelling and the dog barking. But I will say that I I think that I went from being the most available human in my home 
for everyone else's needs. Like, oh, you need your baseball shit dropped off at school? Great. Oh, you need this? To being more unavailable. And I think at the beginning, that was kind of tricky and hard for everyone in my house. Um, my husband would call me and he from work and he'd be like, what, you know, whatever, what are you doing? And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? I'm prepping for a podcast and I can't meet you for lunch or whatever it was. It was just such a different dynamic shift for our marriage. And I think at first it was like, God, you're spending a lot of time on this podcast because I would work at night too. Because for me, my podcast doesn't feel, I mean, obviously there are some days where it feels like a job, but a lot of times it feels like a passion and I'm a nerd and I want to read about my guests and the information they're bringing to it. So my husband was like, do you think maybe you could not be writing a podcast at 9 p.m. and we could watch a TV show together? <laughs> um, and my kids had a little bit of a hard time too, because my daughter's like, I texted you 12 minutes ago and you didn't respond. And it's funny because right before we got on, my daughter called me at 1259 to tell me something about dropping her off at her tennis practice. And I go, I'm recording a podcast in one minute. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm calling you right now. That's so funny. <laughs> so I think that the going from super available to quasi unavailable or available all the time was kind of tricky for everyone. But I have to say, my husband has been an amazing sport with some grumbling on the side. I'm not going to lie. Instagram is not his favorite place to be. <laughs> and my kids have been pretty good sports. I mean, they make me, they used to make me take a lot of photos down. They'd be like, that's ugly. I have a pimple in that photo. Now I think they're just over it. They're over it. And and by the way, they, you know, they learned that they, you know, that they change happened. They survived it. And I think that's actually so, so important for anyone who's listening to this right now, who's thinking, you know, I want to try something new, but, it, you know, how is my family going to react or my friends or, you know, my partner? And the reality is that, you know, change, it, people survive it. You know, you can totally. you can reorient how things are. The person you are today doesn't have to be the person you were yesterday. You know, we're not stuck. And sometimes it's really having that conversation with ourselves because once we get ourselves on board and our own mindset on board around this, then we can enroll other people because there's one thing I think that that moms and women are very good at doing. It's being persuasive. You know, you're going to, you know, we, we keep the trains running on the tracks. And if we want a new set of tracks, you know, people are going to have to get on board with us. Um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I talk about this on my Instagram and my podcast all the time is, you know, we all want good marriages or partnerships or friendship, but all of that is a co-creation project. No one is a fucking mind reader. My husband is not a mind reader. Like if I want him to do X, I need to express that. He cannot read my mind. And so at the beginning of the podcast, I was not that open on Instagram, like, you know, filming my family and my dog, whatever, because my, everyone was sort of scared of it. And then I just said to them, look, you guys, I'm not going to post your deepest, darkest secrets, but I'm a midlife podcast talking about real shit, my kids, my life, my dog, my husband. You guys can't be invisible. And I think part of the success of my podcast and my platform has been the realness, the vulnerability, 
and the kind of relatability factor. Yeah, people. It's like, oh wait, my do- my son leaves the teriyaki chicken dripping all over the kitchen, you know, Two. at lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or explodes it and then walks away from the microwave. Like we can all relate to those kinds of things. But the point is, is that. I had to sort of co-create this journey with them because like you said, it's a, it's a very different dynamic than it was two years ago, but they can't read my mind. Yeah. I have to say to them, this is what I need from you. You don't have to be like dancing on my Instagram, but I might, you know, screenshot a funny text from you, teen daughter, and put it up on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many funny texts from teen daughters. I agree. But I love that, the, the, you know, that. You're, you're, you know, I have had moments in my life, if I'm being totally honest, where I expected my husband and I expected my kids to read my mind. And the moment you said that, I was totally. like, oh, my God, that was me. You know, I hope I've evolved past that. And, and I do. I feel like I actually um, was just profiled on, on, a, on a website called Tonight. I don't know if you know it. It's a great Gen X website and newsletter. And they asked this question, like, what makes you feel like a grown-ass lady? And I said, you know, my response was that I honestly have gotten better at having hard conversations because I was not great at having hard conversations earlier in my life. I expected people to know, you know, what I wanted, and I was sort of scared to be direct and ask for it. I was raised in this sort of... I don't want to say I wasn't raised by my parents, but I feel like I was raised in a generation where maybe sometimes we were more people pleasing and we, you know, worried about what other people thought of us. Or maybe that was just a life phase. But I am so fully past that. I can have hard conversations. They don't need to be like mean or unkind, but like to be direct is something that I finally own. And I also own that I am like 100 100 percent responsible for my own happiness. You know, that's nobody else's job to make me happy. I, you know, part of my job for myself to create that is to be in relationships that are honest and where I'm giving to, you know, my husband and my kids and that they in turn are giving to me. But like, I have to own my own happiness. And I I feel like that's something that I definitely learned um, in my 40s and 50s. Where do you, I could where not do you land agree on that? with you. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I mean, there was a very long period of time because, you know, my husband was at work and I was at home with the kids. And I just thought like, like, when is he coming home? Like, when are we going to go to the movies? When are, you know, whatever. And I think over this two year process, especially my midlife remix, as I call it, I've realized that my happiness, my entertainment for myself, my sense of purpose has to be developed from within because when two people come together and one person is expected to satisfy every single need for the other person, it never works out. Right. Absolutely. It's sort of like, you know, it's the anti, it's like repelling. Totally. My husband's like, you don't even text me back. I called you twice. You know, so there's also this like a little bit of, oh, now you want to talk to me because I'm busy. That's you know, so, so funny. there's a little bit it's of It's like, like middle school dating. Involved. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you like me because I don't like you. Oh my God. Exactly. That's... He's like, Sarah, you're the hardest person to reach in my whole life. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm busy. Yeah. I'm busy mid I'm bid- busy midlife mixing, <laughs> remixing. Totally. Take and a number. Take a number. Oh like my gosh. You can pose with the with the weighted vest on, but I think another aspect that I do not always talk about, but when I remember to, I bring it up. 
And I think that for me, growing up at a house with such a powerful mother figure who worked and a lot of the things that my brother and I were able to do, like go to private school and all of those things, were because my mom did work. And for her, it wasn't like a choice thing, whereas for me, it was. Gotcha. And so it was very different. And I think that a lot of, I know a lot of who I am is because of my mom, because she was a badass, because she created this, you know, largest nonprofit in the country for special needs kids from scratch with five kids. And now it's a hundred million dollar nonprofit. And I think that, you know, my daughter, I mean, and my son, have always known me as like the stay-at-home mom who's smart with a PhD. And I think part of my sort of, I don't know, I guess you would say part of my midlife itchy satisfaction and what I wanted to do before I became an empty nest was model for my kids what I was modeled, you know, as a kid as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that I can light up my own life, that I can have something that's my own, that I can have something that's not related to them or to my husband. Yep. And, but, and, and then my you can do it at seen that. Yeah. And, and you could do it at any time, which I think yes. is so important also because the message is it's like, it's never too late to be the woman you want to be. It's never too late to do the things you want to do. It's never too late to try something new. And, you know, it sounds like you were at home for, you know, maybe like two decades, but your kids are looking and realizing that there's not like one lane you need to be in. You can change lanes and you can change lanes later in life. And I think that is such a key message, too, because, you know, sometimes we feel like you get like you get one story. And I, I, I haven't experienced that. And the women that come on my podcast, the women that come on your podcasts are constantly telling and writing new stories. And they're doing it at ages where, you know, sometimes pop culture really writes you off. Um, so I love that you're having these conversations. We are nearing the end. I, like, I could talk to you all day long. Anyone, anyone who feels the same way needs to go, you know, get on your Apple podcast app and look up the Flexible Neurotic. We're going to, um, you know, have that in the show notes and we'll, we'll share with you it at the end. But I want to just ask you um, a question about a sort of a favorite guest before we move on into our speed round. I know you've talked to some really phenomenal women. It's probably hard to pick. You have two kids. You know, no one's a favorite. But what what's a show that's really stuck with you that listeners should check out if they want to experience the flexible neurotic magic? Oh, my God. You just tell me you were asking this. Now I'm like, I mean, I don't know if I don't even know if I could pick, to be quite honest. Um, Every well, let's single... make it easy. What about a recent one? What, what's a recent show that really stuck with you? Because that's that's not playing favorites. That's just, you know, picking somebody who's on lately. I mean, I, th I think it depends on if you're looking for sort of expert advice versus, I guess, more psychological advice. Uh, Dr. Jill Kraft was on my podcast a few episodes ago called Under the Midlife Hood. And she really helped. I mean, I must have gotten a thousand million messages about it. She really helped us understand like what's going on in the midlife vagina. What are the myths? What the exact things we should be asking our gynecologist because so much of it gets swept under the rug. Yeah, that's an important one. All of my vagina shows, 
you know, do gangbusters and downloads because women want to know, you know? I mean, I you refer to it at one point as a vintage vagina, which really yes. cr- would absolutely crack me up. And anyone who's listening to this either has or will have a vintage vagina. Woo! And, you know, there are certain ways that you need to be taking care of these uh, these treasured antiques. So I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> they're so, I know. And that, that's another thing my teen daughter loves to talk about. She's like, um, why are we talking about your vagina all the time? It's because why it's are important. we talking about the spotting? Why are we talking about this? And I'm like, you know what? Like, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's a midlife um, podcast. But I would have to say, <laughs> look, I, I don't think I could pick. I mean, Jennifer Fisher, the jeweler, food creator, was amazing. She has a very badass appro- approach to life. You may not agree with all of her food. Um, restrictions and her lifestyle in terms of what she eats, but she really has a badass approach to life. I think that Jen Delvo was diagnosed with breast cancer after her husband has been fighting uh, brain cancer for 10 years. So that was an episode on creating light in midlife darkness or what appears to be midlife darkness. And I think most recently my episode with Bobby Brown, the makeup guru, I think a lot of people related to that because I called the episode Everyday Midlife and it's talking about a woman who created her her own success from scratch and now is a 65-year-old woman. She's kind of giving the secrets of her mindset, how she was willing to learn on the go and create this life for herself of always doing something new. And now she's back at it with her second round of uh, her makeup company. Yeah, I love Jones Road. That's fantastic. Okay, all of those shows are going in the uh, the, the episode show notes. Listeners can find them and, and click through and check out those recent ones. So I love that Bobby Brown shared that she's still growing. Um, you know, my, my, I guess my last question before our speed round is what um, – Kind of new skills or, or mindset have have you acquired in midlife um, that that you didn't that might have you know eluded you when you were younger or, and, and what if anything have you let go of? Uh, perfection, I've probably let go of because I've realized that really nothing is perfect, and if you wait for something to be perfect, you're never going to do anything. Yeah. And with Instagram, Instagram's a like a living beast. It never sleeps. And if you're sitting around trying to create the perfect post with the perfect audio to get the perfect number of likes, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. It's like, be inspired, create your content, post it, move on. Yep. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. And I think that that has been a really big thing for me in terms of things that I've learned. I mean, I've could, I mean, we could have six episodes on that, (laughs) but I think for me, um, has been the technology piece of this whole thing. Instagram. I had never been on before my podcast. I didn't even have an Instagram account two years ago. Um, so posting a post or a story was like a whole clusterfuck. I was like, wait, what do you mean? I don't understand. I don't get it. Wait, you can put stickers on stories. And then all the technology of recording the podcast and editing the podcast. Like, I just didn't think my brain could do it. And there's a lot of things that it still can't do. My husband's (laughs) like, Sarah, I've showed you this like for two years. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. It's just one of the last things I can't get. And so I think generally speaking, I'm like 80% there with the general understanding of the technology, which I never thought in a million years I could do. It would be like 
me taking AP chemistry. It oh would my never God. happen. I love it. Never, you know? Never taking AP chemistry. But I have learned that myself, too. You could, First of all, you can Google anything. So, you know, we do that. And two, you can ask for help. And I love that oh you're, my gosh. you know, your husband. I'm on the help train, baby. Yeah, totally. So, you know, Google and ask for help. You, you can get anything done. I love it. All right, we're going to move into our speed round. I always close with this. It's kind of a high energy way to end. Um, just one to two word answers because we, you know, we want to cover a lot more ground and, and learn a lot more about you. So launching the flexible neurotic was? Exhilarating. Uh, dream podcast guest. Renee Brown. Still cannot believe I talked about this on air. Midlife vagina anything. <laughs> I could talk about this midlife topic again and again. The midlife itchies. The midlife itchies. I love it. If I never have to talk about this midlife topic again, I'd be happy. Uh, close family death. Okay, got it. And my midlife self is ecstatic that I will never have to do this thing from my younger days again. Go back to fucking high school. <laughs> sit at the lunch table. Exactly. <laughs> or, 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 or look for a seat at the lunch table. Oh, right? my God. Or just look like everyone else and be like everyone else and try to find that seat at the lunch table. Oh, it's done. Done, done, donezo. Um, all right. You believe in the midlife remix. What's the last new thing you learned, tried, or did? Mm. I think it might be pickleball. I was going to say probably pickleball. I'm going with pickleball. That's for, <laughs> that's for me too. Pickleball is the last new thing I learned. All right. Too bad you're, too bad you're in LA, Sarah, because we will, you know, we'll, we'll have to I get know. you out to the, we'll have to get you out to the really East Coast outfit. so we can do pickleball. Let's put it on I know, the... and then I wouldn't even have to have a tan in the East Coast because you wear leggings. In LA, it's like you're expected to wear that little short skirt and I'm like, Ugh, All right. Gosh. If I have to play pickleball and be tan, that's like a non-starter. Um, I know. That, I know. It's like, no way, Jose. I'm way too Irish for that. Um, okay, finally, your one word answer to complete this sentence. As I age, I feel. Okay, I got to think about that one. Um, <laughs> because I want to say sweaty. That's fine. We're, we're, Sarah, we're here for <laughs> honest answers. I'm trying to answers. think of a more profound answer. We're here for honest answers. Sweaty works. <laughs> <laughs> sexy sweaty and sexy all right yeah, That's sweaty and sexy it's sort of like the juxtaposition it's like the flexible neurotic you uh, can be two things at the same time of course two things can be true you can like birkenstocks and manolas Manolo. totally. you can be sweaty and, and sexy the, i love it the juxtaposition makes you sexy perfect all right thank you sir before we say goodbye how can our listeners find you and your podcast and the flexible neurotic everything the flexible neurotic the Flexible Neurotic Podcast on all podcast platforms and my Instagram, The Flexible Neurotic, and my website, The Flexible Neurotic. Just make sure you spell neurotic right. <laughs> I'm going to help people. That's going in the show notes. No one needs okay. to look it up. Thank You'd you, You'd be sir. surprised. People are like, I can't find you. I'm like, did you spell neurotic right? <laughs> I love it. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. A quick favor to end the show. If you enjoy A Certain Age, if you learn something new or simply love tuning in every week, please take the time to write a review over on Apple Podcasts. Just grab your phone, open the podcast app, find A Certain Age, scroll to the bottom. It's so easy to do. And be sure to join me next week when we mark World Menopause Month with menopause advocate Donna Klassen of the nonprofit Let's Talk Menopause. 
Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time, and until then, age boldly, beauties. 